0: Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I would be lost without my smartphone. I use it for directions, to find things to do, and... Most importantly, where to eat. I rely on it as a digital music player to enhance my experience as I explore a new place. Oh, and sometimes I even use it to make calls and stuff. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know.
2: in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. This is Jonathan Strickland, your host extraordinaire.
1: And I'm Lauren Volkbaum, the first and only member of the Society for the Prevention of Hedgehog Underrepresentation.
0: Okay, then. It's a
1: true fact. You can look it up on the internet.
0: Will do. All right. So, uh, so Lauren, ask me how I'm feeling. How are you feeling, Jonathan? I'm exhausted, Lauren. Yay!
1: Wait. I'm
0: barely able to string two coherent sentences together. Why is that, Jonathan? That would be because I just returned, as in within the last 48 hours... From CES in Las Vegas, Nevada, (laughs) we live in Atlanta, Georgia, which is nowhere near Las Vegas, Nevada, which has a totally different time zone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Trixie. Trixie that. Yeah. (laughs) CES being um, the the convention formerly known as the Consumer Electronics Show.
0: Yep. Yep. Now they're just known as CES. And uh, this is where companies come to show off the product lines that they want stores to carry. So, uh... I have a friend. Uh this, There's going to be a lot of name-dropping or potentially <laughs> a lot of name-dropping in this episode, and I want to warn everybody about that. Uh, I'm friends with Nate Langson, who is the editor of Wired.co.uk, former CNET employee. Nate is a great guy. I got to meet him in person for the first time at this CES. And um, Nate's perspective, as we were walking around, he was saying to me, Jonathan, what well, I don't understand is that, why are these booths here that have these uh, iPod cases? I mean, wh- why would they even bother? And he doesn't actually sound like that because <laughs> I mean, he'd be from the south of London and he's not. But I said, well, Nate, uh, you know, you have to understand that a lot of these these ven- these uh, manufacturers are actually here in the hopes of getting their products carried in various catalogs and in retail stores. It's, yeah, suppose I just look at the world as if it's all meant for me. <laughs> and I said, actually, Nate, so do I. So we shared something in common. But I do understand you know, that's the purpose for the event is to get in front of the press and in front of retail establishments to say, hey, here's all the stuff that's going to come out this year. Isn't it pretty and shiny and don't you want it?
1: And quite a few people do this. There's more than 3,000 exhibitors uh, as of 20, 2012.
0: Yeah. Um, this yeah. was the
1: 2013 show, so these numbers are very slightly outdated. Um, uh, and, and they are crammed into 1.9 million net square feet of exhibit space.
0: Yeah, and uh, and there are about 150,000 people attending. And... Uh it really felt pretty crowded this year there have been past ces shows where attendance was down especially yeah. right after the recession a lot of companies ended up not being able to go they weren't able to afford the space sure. they went to you know they were having bad year might yeah. not have been the best time to show off. According
1: know? according to Wired, it, it costs like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars minimum for everyone but the smallest vendors to set up a booth and you know fly people out there, feed them for the week.
0: Sure. I mean and some of these booths are incredibly elaborate. I mean things like LG had a very elaborate booth, Samsung, Sony, Panasonic, you know, the, the big names in electronics you would imagine have a, a fairly large presence. Now there were a couple of exceptions. Uh, Microsoft famously did not have a booth this year. Normally, you would walk into the Central Hall at the Las Vegas Convention Center, which has three major halls, a North Hall, Central Hall, and a South Hall. The South Hall actually has two floors. This is a huge amount of space. Yeah. Now, the Central Hall, usually if you walked in from the, the main entrance, you would have Intel on your right and Microsoft on your left. Microsoft... Took it uh, easy this year. They decided (laughs) not to come in and play. Mm -hmm. And instead, Hisense was on the left, uh, and Dish Network was also on the left. So Microsoft had, had, uh, withdrawn from the show, although that didn't stop Balmer from showing up at a keynote. In the
1: keynote, yes, yeah. the Qualcomm keynote.
0: Yeah, there were some people who said it was a Balmer keynote, and he had his buddy from Qualcomm <laughs> there. Oh. I would not go so far as to say that, but <laughs> some other folks on Twitter were saying such things.
1: Well, I've, I've heard it was a little bit wackier than Microsoft ever quite got with a keynote. There's some there's some really entertaining videos about the sort of antics that went on, and, you know, Big Bird showed up.
0: Yeah, that's gangsta. When <laughs> you've got Big Bird coming out, throw Throwing down sweet rhymes.
1: I'm, I'm not. I'm not positive. I think, I'm um, that word.
0: <laughs> what? That Big Bird Bur- comes from, from the
1: streets. Oh, he comes from A Street, not That's, not D Street. Oh,
0: well, he comes. He lived life on the street. Okay, he's at least as gangsta as Vanilla Ice was. Can you grant me that?
1: I, I yes. Stop, sure.
0: Collaborate and listen. Okay. All right. So yeah, Big Bird was there. Maroon <laughs> Five. Yeah. there yeah.
1: who who in the podcast and in, in the live streaming were overdubbed by um Dido, I believe. Were they? Because they they didn't have the rights, I guess, to stream Marine wow, Five. Wow, so that's
0: kind of interesting. It was I from I, did not know, I was not aware of that.
1: From everything that I've seen, it was just like everything that is insane about the internet live on stage. And I'm not positive that that's what Qualcomm meant to do. Right. Well, it was, it was pretty great for me to watch anyway. <laughs> there
0: were, and there were there were tons of interesting moments. I mean, there were a lot of celebrities there. I saw Danny DeVito. Oh yeah, he was wearing a "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" baseball cap. <laughs> Cool. And um but I didn't get to chat with him. He was he was very far away and on top of a stage and I have a feeling that if I had gone up to say hi to him, some very large men would have very prevented you. Very gently but firmly (laughs) discouraged me from doing that. Um but Danny DeVito was there, uh you know, there were other performers, Fifty Cent was there, Exhibit was there. Um,
1: I know Felicia, Felicia Day was running around.
0: Uh, Felicia Day was the Entertainment Matters ambassador wow. to CES 2013. Cool, she had uh, one of her fans made a sash for her, and she wore that the entire time. Uh, that is I, delightful. I am told. I didn't run into Miss Day this time. Mm. I have met her in the past, but I uh, did not see her this time. Uh, LL Cool J was there, but we were not allowed to call it a comeback. Um <laughs> There were – yeah, there were a lot of performers there because a lot of them also lend their names to particular products or they endorse specific products or they are there to help uh, bring even more attention to a specific company. I mean this is the company's chance – any individual company's chance to grab that spotlight, but they're competing against everybody else. Yeah. So you've got to pull a out a lot of stops.
1: Room full of three thousand spotlights, and everyone yeah. trying to
0: right. Just you're, you're rubbernecking all over the place, trying to see what the next big thing is, and so you really are struggling to try and capture that attention. And uh, so,
1: what were some of those next big things?
0: Well, let's talk about. You now, it's it's easiest probably to talk about this in terms of a uh, of uh, uh, product categories. Groups
1: of stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, because we could go company by company, but that just gets uh, really confusing. So let's talk about TVs, first of all. Sure. Now, televisions, that's always a big thing at CES. You well, know?
1: They're, they're big. They're shiny. I mean, you can... Yeah.
0: And they, they're getting pretty darn big. There were more than a few 84-inch sets on the show floor. 80—that's uh, That's a bunch. Yeah. And there was a 100-inch TV as well that I saw. So, I mean, these are not... Those aren't typical. Most of the ones you see are tend to be still huge. Like mm-hmm. there were a lot in the okay. sixty to seventy inch range. Wow. There were a few that were OLED screens that were more like in the fifty five inch, but that's huge too because uh, huge in a different way. A few years ago, when 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 my former co-host and I, Chris, when we first went, the very first year I went to CES, I remember that the two of us marveled over an OLED display <laughs> that was eleven inches.
1: Eleven. Yeah.
0: And it was, and you sit there and look at it, and you knew that it was never going to market. This was just a prototype.
1: Prototype, sure. Uh,
0: Now we're seeing 55 inch TVs with OLED displays that are becoming more and more of uh, something that we're going to see come to market, including uh, high, ultra high definition displays. We're talking 4K resolution. So four times the 1080p resolution that we consider high definition. This is ultra high definition. This is. Incredibly vibrant colors, great like you can get right up onto the screen and stare at it and you can't see the pixelation. It's pretty phenomenal stuff. Um you got usually you have a pretty high refresh rate, so it's refreshing the image at a very uh, uh fast rate so that you've got this very smooth motion. If any of you went out and saw The Hobbit in the 48 frames per second you know what high frame rate looks like. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. It's great for stuff like sports. It's a little distracting in some other forms of entertainment as far as I'm concerned just mm-hmm. because it gives a sort of glidy, un- unreal. It's weird to say unreal, because it's very real. because
1: <laughs> it's extremely real, but, um. But not
0: uh, cinematic, or, or, yeah. or, it doesn't feel like TV anymore.
1: Right. Well, you know, it's whenever you're dealing with a film format that was not really intended to be shown at that resolution, you're going to run into issues like that. And I've heard that actually Sony, which is one of the companies that has, uh, one of these, uh, super high definition televisions out, is starting to put out 4K cameras.
0: Yes, there were 4K cameras out there on display in the, on the show floor. They looked uh, very uh, heavy. These were big <laughs> cameras. But they're, but Sony's actually leading the way and creating uh, 4K cameras meant for the consumer. So not just the prosumer oh, wow, or cool. the professional. Uh-huh. Yeah, because, you know, there have been 4K cameras available for a while. Oh, sure. But they were just within the grasp of movie directors. Uh, yeah,
1: studios. Yeah,
0: they, they we're talking like you had to have millions of dollars to get them. Mm-hmm. Now they're still not cheap. They're they're thousands and thousands of dollars, but they're starting to get to a point where they are within the grasp of consumers who happen to have a good amount of discretionary income. But, you know, that's the thing is that we're seeing this is the way technology works, right? Uh-huh. You see a new technology come out And at first, it's really expensive. And then as more people adopt it, uh, manufacturing processes improve, things Mm -hmm. get more efficient, and the prices start to come down. Same thing with Moore's Law. I mean, that's the basis of Moore's Law as well. But getting back to TVs, Mm -hmm. ultra-high definition was the buzzword uh, in TVs. I mean, everyone had an ultra-high definition television. Samsung showed off an 8K TV, which uh, was enormous and was really more of a prototype concept Uh type thing. Um, there does there's probably a point where uh, the human eye will not be able to discern the difference in quality once you get to it beyond a certain resolution we're just not you know most of us don't have the acuity to be able to see that kind of difference sure but it means that you could create ever larger screens and not not, not lose. lose resolution right? right so it may not be good for a consumer which is weird when you think of The name used to be Consumer Electronics Showcase, or Show, rather. Uh, It might not be for a consumer, but you might have an enormous display, say, in Times Square or Piccadilly Circus. Yeah. And you want to have an enormous display that has great resolution. And instead of having it made up of 15 screens, it's made up of one enormous screen. You could theoretically do that once you get that resolution cranked up pretty high. The biggest... Uh, criticism I heard of the 4K TVs had nothing to do with the sets. Mm-hmm. It was these are amazing TVs. The the images are beautiful. Where is the content going to come from? Huh. Because without having someone to deliver the 4K content, you have a television that's capable of showing these amazing pictures, but it's not getting the information it needs in order to do that. Right. Uh, Nate Langson again. Uh, he suggested that perhaps. We might expect the next generation of video game consoles to support 4K, huh. so they would become wow. a reason for people to upgrade their TVs. Not, <laughs> not that you could only see it in 4K, uh, but sure. that they'd be capable of doing sure. that.
1: I, I, I just made a face, and I, I think the face mm. was me imagining playing a survival horror video game at in 4K at resolution, 4K and that doesn't yeah. sound like a thing that I actually want to do at all.
0: <laughs> it would be the, the the blacks would be very very true blacks but- <laughs> on the screen. Uh, in fact there was one OLED TV that uh, one person said gave it a um, an infinite contrast ratio and a contrast ratio we're really talking about how how true is the black on that screen mm-hmm. right because of course if you're using an o- uh, LCD screen it's backlit and mm-hmm. so uh, anytime there's anything on the screen anytime the set is on there's a light behind the screen that's on so, Uh, There can be problems with backlit displays showing a true black on the screen because it tends to come out like charcoal gray.
1: Oh, sure. Um, Yeah,
0: absolutely. But a lot of the sets there were were more about representing true black on a screen. Cool. They also had – there was the world's first curved OLED TV.
1: Yeah. There were two of them. I heard – did you get to see any of those? I got to see both of them. Both?
0: Yeah. See, here's the thing is that you have LG, which had the world's first curved OLED TV – and you had Samsung, which had the world's first curved OLED TV. Curiouser and curiouser. Yeah, both companies sp- were claiming that they had the first curved OLED TV. Why you would want a curved OLED TV, I I'm sure there are reasons, um, and I'm sure they are valid, but I do not know <laughs> what they are.
1: I've heard I've heard that um, that actually viewing from the sides gets easier with a curve.
0: That makes sense. I mean, at least. At least for the majority of the screen, I would imagine if you get a little too far, then the curvature would mean that the side closest to you would be obscured.
1: But it's a very slight curve. It's it is. Not, it is I a mean, subtle curve. We're, we're not, not talking about, you know...
0: Yeah, it's not like a... It's not a like conical. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is It is a very subtle curve. It's one of those things that if you're looking at it from the side, you can, like, from profile, you can tell. But otherwise, it's not... Like, if you were looking at it dead on, it's not... Uh, Incredibly obvious. Sure. Uh, But yeah, no, both of them had it. uh, And that's one of the things about the OLED screens is that you can create uh, curved or even flexible screens depending upon the material you're using. Cool. Um, So that was kind of neat. Let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. Now, working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed. And I'd be lost without my smartphone. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know.
1: And now back to the show.
0: Uh, also, uh, there was uh, not as much of an, an emphasis on 3D this year.
1: Yeah. Uh, what, what was it, two years ago that 3D was just the buzzword and everyone was?
0: Yeah, two years ago, I would say, was probably the hardest push mm-hmm. for 3D. Everyone had 3D. Last year, 3D was still important, and there were a few places that had the glasses-free 3D, which uh, you know requires that you are in a sweet spot to view it and get right. the 3D effect. Uh, 3D was not as... It was still present in several different sets on the floor, but it was not nearly as big... A feature touted this year as Mm. it has been in years past. Yeah,
1: well, you know, I think that people have started to realize that not everyone is going to go out, run out, and replace their entire television in order to get this content that really only exists in an extremely small sample size of the media that you can play.
0: Yeah, there's that. And I think there's also people who still resist any sort of television that would require them to wear glasses. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you have two choices. You have the active shutter lens glasses, which means that these are glasses that require to be you, know, you yeah, have to recharge they're, them. They're battery-operated. right? They're... Or you have the passive ones, but either way, you have to keep track of them. I mean, I don't know about you, Lauren, but for me, it's very easy for me to lose my remote. <laughs> I would hate to also re- lose the glasses I need to watch my TV.
1: Right, sure. And I, for, for me personally, I mean, I, I really I avoid seeing movies in 3D whenever I can because it, it's kind of headachy and a little bit annoying. For you, yeah. yeah, yeah for it me, can be so. for
0: some people. I'm, I, I like the 3D effect. It's just that... Uh, it's not. It's not a killer feature for me. Now that being said, there was one company, Samsung, in fact, that had a dual vision television, a, a dual view TV.
1: Yeah, I heard about that. It's it's essentially a split screen television, except both screens are happening at the same time. Right. And depending on which pair of glasses you're wearing, it, it's projecting two images. Right. And two different people can sit in front of it.
0: And see two different things.
1: And see two different and, – and you're hooked up to, uh, to headphones Yeah, so you that can, you're each listening to your
0: – You can get uh, – and there are two different variations of this too. You could get one that was active or you could get passive. In this case, the Samsung set I looked at was passive, mm-hmm. meaning that uh, you would have one set of glasses that would have polarized lenses that are aligned in one way. And then you have a second set of glasses that be polarized but aligned uh, like like 90 degrees. Like vertically versus horizontally. Exactly, that kind of thing. And normally with a 3D set, you would have the same kind of setup, except you would have one lens polarized one way, the other lens polarized another way. So each eye accepts a different set of images. Your brain combines the two. That's what gives you the 3D effect. In this case, the implementation was different. Both eyes got the same set of images But it was a different set of images than someone wearing the other pair of glasses. Right. So you could play a video game and you're looking at one screen and the person playing against you is looking at another screen. So imagine playing a game like – there's this thing called football that I've heard about that sometimes a guy named Madden likes to play. (laughs) Anyway, uh, if you wanted to set a specific kind of play Mm -hmm. like a Hail Mary pass – is a thing. Uh, you could select that, and you're wearing your glasses, so you can totally see everything that you need to do. Mm-hmm. Your opponent is wearing a different pair of glasses; they can't see what you see. They're seeing their side, yeah. So it keeps everything secret.
1: Yeah. So, so there's there's uh, virtually no way to screen look.
0: Right. And also, it would even allow you to do things like watch two different – theoretically, you could watch two different programs at the same time. But of course, that does require that you have your own individual audio feed in. Otherwise, you would just hear a jumble of audio. Of everything. Yeah, Yeah. that would be. Yeah. So while my wife was watching the documentary series Supernatural, (laughs) I could be watching something a little uh, more akin to my tastes like – I don't know – that Mitchell and Webb look. Or <laughs> Peep Show.
1: Don-
0: both of which have David Mitchell and Robert Webb in them.
1: Jonathan, don't don't pretend that you don't like the documentary series Supernatural. They we all- are
0: dreamy. <laughs> they are dreamy, dreamy boys. But yeah, that, that kind of sums up. I mean, like, everyone had these different TVs. If you were to ask me who had the best TV out there, I could not give you an answer. Because we, we've reached a level of quality where it's it's... Beyond my ability to describe it to people, mm-hmm. also you have to keep in mind that every single one of these companies spends a, a huge amount of time calibrating those televisions so that they look perfect, perfect in that environment. Absolutely. And you're talking about a big convention center where you know it's not going to have the same sort of viewing condition as you would in your in your house, probably. I don't think your house would have the same lighting as the convention center did.
1: Unless your house has 1.9 million million square square feet. feet
0: In which case, case, dude, hook us up. Yeah, invite us over. We will come for your barbecue.
1: (laughs) I will bake you brownies. There we go. Um,
0: But yeah, it was beyond TVs. I guess uh, the next category, a big one, would be computers.
1: I I guess. I guess computers are sort of a thing that people use, computers and tablets. Yeah, uh,
0: computers, tablets. Yeah, everyone had tablets. Everyone there were a lot of different tablets out there, including a lot of Windows eight tablets. Yeah. So people were starting to really start to show off a uh, the, the Windows 8 user interface and tablet format, which you know uh, including uh, a gaming tablet which we'll talk about later yeah uh, yeah, it was pretty impressive.
1: The big one the big one that I heard of and I literally big one was Microsoft's um, no not Microsoft sorry the uh, Lenovo
0: yeah the idea center table PC yeah yeah uh, I want to say it's 27 inches. And it, it's an all-in-one PC. When it's vertical, it runs uh, Windows 8. Right. So you've got it vertically aligned where it's, you know, like you could have it you know, mounted. They had it mounted on like a cart kind of thing. Okay. But uh, when it was vertically aligned, it was Windows 8. So it's that touchscreen user interface. It's running a full version of Windows 8. You could do all the things on it that you could do with a Windows 8 machine.
1: Except for pick it up and move it into another room by yourself, probably.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. but- <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a bit of a... Bit of a hefty device, but then when you would uh, tilt it horizontally, it would switch to Lenovo's proprietary user interface, and it would become a surface for you to play on. In fact, surface is a great term. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of the Microsoft Surface tabletop, right? Uh, which is now called PixelSense, I think. But um, you know, now of course we think of Surface as the tablet, but before it was this big table thing. Well, that's kind of what the Lenovo uh, Idea Center becomes. It's multi-touch and can detect up to ten. Points of contact at oh, once. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's good for uh, for games.
0: Yep, gaming, sharing media, sharing videos. You could have a bunch of people around star- staring at this table and playing with it. Um, I thought it was a, it was interesting. It's and supposedly it's going to come out uh, summer of 2013. But there are a couple things that kind of I don't know confuse me a little bit. One is that. Uh, Lenovo's really known for doing these kind of hybrid things like they've done the hybrid tablet computer stuff before. Mm-hmm. They've also been known to announce things that never quite make it out <laughs> to stores. Like there was uh-huh. the Lenovo U1 that I went crazy for like 3 years ago and it never really came out.
1: Actually happened. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um so I'm a little cautious about this. Also I don't know how uh how compelling or useful it would be to the average consumer um, it was interesting oh, sure. I, I, I really thought it was an interesting implementation of, of uh, touchscreen technology but um, I don't know I can't think of a reason why I would get one yeah
1: I mean it, it sounds like a, it sounds like a nifty toy and I can see the, um, the just the sexy factor of, of having something in your home that you can share something uh, you know, share share a cute YouTube video on without right. having to pull a phone out of your pocket and have it be of a size that you would actually want to watch it. Yeah,
0: but you could do that with a regular computer. It's just interesting that when you, I mean, it makes it easier to share stuff, and it was very attractive to share stuff using the Lenovo user interface. But you can still do that on a computer without that, yeah. which is why I was like, also, why? yeah. I
1: mean, I, w- I would just I would be afraid of the first time that you know one of my friends forgot that it was a really expensive piece of equipment and put their drink down on top of it right. or something like it's hot, hot coffee. coffee or something yeah
0: yeah that, i would worry about that too working remotely where you are shouldn't dictate what you do work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data wi-fi hotspot with at&t in-car wi-fi on the network that covers more roads than any other carrier take your work on the road and at&t will be there to keep you connected No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed, and I'd be lost without my smartphone. In a new place, it's my connection to the familiar. I rely on it to get directions around town, I use my smartphone to look up things to do or, most importantly, where to eat, In countries where I don't speak the language, my phone becomes a universal translator. And heck, it can double as a digital camera, giving me the opportunity to snap unforgettable pictures of the sites that inspire me and fill me with joy. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know.
2: This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class.
0: There there were other, like, a lot of Ultrabooks were still on display. We Mm -hmm. had Ultrabooks... Debuted at CES 2012. Right, um, they're still a thing. Uh, <laughs> the, the sales for computers have not been great in 2000. They weren't great in 2012, and I'm not sure that they're going to improve significantly over the course of 2013. Uh,
1: do, do you mean? Do you mean computers in general, or uh, computers PCs general. or laptops, or everything? In
0: general, yeah. computers. Yeah, like tablets, not so are, are pretty good. Mm-hmm. But anything like a laptop or desktop, those have not been doing so well. And, uh, but there were still quite a few on display and some of them were very gorgeous. Uh, there, I saw, um, an Asus, uh, laptop that was incredibly thin at the edges. I mean, when you got to the, to the, the, they would taper off, right? The edges tapered off until you got to the very end, like the, the base of where the keyboard is. And you look like you could get a paper cut. That's how thin, (laughs) that's how thin it looked to the naked eye. But, um, they also had, uh, some interesting prototype. Uh, tablets out there, including 4K Ooh. resolution tablets. Uh, I remember there was one that my friend Nate said was five pounds, and I said that's a very reasonable price. <laughs> and then he hit me. Actually, it was Aya Zaktar who hit me. This is another name drop. I'm sorry. I'm just I can't hold on to them. They just keep slipping out of my fingers.
1: Well, you just you just have so many really important, popular friends that you can't really.
0: Uh, I don't know if they would call could... themselves friends. They're definitely popular and important, though yeah these are great people no I, I i met I met and chatted with a lot of really great people while I was out there. That was one of my favorite parts of cES was getting the the perspective of folks who also focus on very specific parts of technology because yeah you know, I look at everything. Sure. So to hear someone who really concentrates on one area, I hear perspectives that I never thought about. That's great. absolutely. Beyond computers, let's see, what else? Uh, phones. Phones. They're, they had some. smart Smartphones are, you know. They're a thing. A thing. Yeah. Uh, there were some, some nice ones on the floor. The Samsung Galaxy Note 2 was there. So mm. if you like your phones the size of a small state. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I, I, people give, it a, give the larger phones some... Attitude, they give them the business, as I like to say.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, they, they are big, but I actually really like them, too. I mean, the Galaxy Note was one of those devices that I debated on picking up. I ultimately did not, but I almost did. Um, I, it, it does bridge an interesting gap between smartphone and tablet, which is why we have the horrible word oh, phablet. Oh,
1: no, no one say that. Don't no, dude. Let's strike that from the collective consciousness, shall we?
0: I would much prefer tone.
1: Tone? Yeah. That's kind of nice.
0: Instead of a. Or a thone.
1: I, th- I like. I like. mm. No, That's still better than let's the just, tablet. Let's just move. Let's just. Yeah. Well,
0: anyway, Samsung Galaxy Note Two was there. That was nice. The Nexus Four, they, which has been available for a while, I should say. It's not like the Nexus Four is brand new. The Nexus Four from LG has been around for a while, but it was the first time I actually got to play with one because those things go out of stock so fast <laughs> they can never get hold of one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's running uh, the latest version of Android, and in oh, fact, oh, that's cool. that's the big thing with the nexus 4 is that it's you can actually buy it directly from google which Mm -hmm. makes it different from any other phone and you can be fairly confident that as long as the hardware will support it it will always run the latest version of android at least that's the assumption Uh, reality could play out differently Uh, samsung also had a flexible phone that wasn't on display but they showed it off at their keynote flexible phone huh yeah
1: I heard, I heard that Sony had a waterproof phone. The Xperia Z.
0: Yeah, very pretty phone. Uh, the Xperia phones were very, very pretty to look at. And the Xperia Z was, um, they, they would dunk them into uh, to aquariums and show <laughs> that they were still working just fine. Um, yeah, there were quite a few. And, and and tons and tons of phone accessories on the floor. So, oh, sure. Um, everything from special cases that have... Uh, colorful designs on them to things like OtterBox, which specializes in pr- and protective cases, mm-hmm. including some that are you know, dust-proof, shatter-proof, waterproof. I mean, you're talking like mega uh, protective cases. Uh, they had some uh, other cases I saw on display where people were doing things like uh, essentially dropping bowling balls onto devices and showing how the, um, the cases were distributing the force in such a way to provide... The maximum amount of cover, uh, of protection, uh, with the minimum amount of damage. I say minimum because there still was some. Um,
1: because it's still a bowling ball. It's
0: still a bowling ball, and it's still a phone. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other big, big category that I wanted to say uh, would be, well, I don't know, smart appliances.
1: Smart, I, yeah i keep I keep hearing about this Internet of Things.
0: Yeah, that's part of it. Um, smart appliances. The definition is kind of tricky. Back in the day, we used to call it anything that connected to the internet was smart, sure. uh, or if it ran widgets, it was smart. Oh, right,
1: or you know, if, if you can download applications and it change the
0: software, smart. Yeah, smart. or if it connected to some other thing in your house, it was smart. And that's the thing is that there are a lot of different definitions for smart, and no one has really become the the perfect example. So, um, yeah, you know, there are a lot of different implementations. At
1: the end of the day, it's a marketing term yeah. and not, not, you know, something FDA approved.
0: Right, so right. That. Uh- there were some interesting implementations. LG's approach was to include NFC technology. That's near field communication technology, which is that same stuff that lets you use your smartphone to pay for stuff where you tap your smartphone against a little vendor's, uh, uh receiver and then it transfers the payment.
1: Uh, sure. If you have a certain application, you can, uh, you can bump your phone against somebody else's and, uh, Exchange transfer information. information. Sure. Sure. Yeah,
0: like, like, like contact information mm-hmm. or a message like stop hitting your phone against my phone. <laughs> Um, yeah, same sort of thing. NFC allows for this very near field communication. I mean, that's what it stands for. It, it, it lets devices that are very close to one another exchange info. It's usually very light as far as the data uh, transfer is concerned. Sure. Well, in the case of LG, they had it where you could you have a smartphone, you tap it against your various devi- uh, appliances, like say your washer and dryer. And you could even do things like update your washer and dryer with new means of drying and washing your clothes. I didn't know that this was a thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I never I never thought about the firmware of yeah. my washer and dryer or updating it, certainly. That's, I'm still getting confusing. used to the fact that I can update my Xbox. So, yeah. But, you
0: know. No, I'm right there with you, Lauren. I mean, I sat there and I thought about like, is this telling me that, hey, I know a better way to agitate your clothes? <laughs> I mean, that's I'm sure there's a real use case for it. It just seemed like it was a little bit of an interesting approach. Now, I should also say LG has built it in so that it makes registering your devices very easy. So that when that's you cool. when you tap your smartphone, it's registered because it's already got all the information. Oh, your right contact
1: there. info. So yeah, yeah. so that's so you, all you need to do.
0: You don't. Yeah, you don't have to and type um, in model numbers and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff.
1: I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by by some of the. They they also have a touchscreen fridge, I believe, yes. and you can you can look up recipes and save yep. your ingredient lists and and send a, a shopping list to your cell phone. And right. All and, and, kind of and you can stuff.
0: do things like uh with some of these devices you could do things like you have your – let's say you have your list of ingredients in your refrigerator. You can say, all right, well, based upon what's in my refrigerator, what can I make for dinner? And it will pull up recipes that incorporate the stuff that it knows you have. Now, granted, you have to – You have to input what you have. Right, exactly. It doesn't automatically know when you put in a carton of milk. <laughs> that yet. would be cool. That yeah. would be cool. We're still waiting. I want that. Yeah, I, I want them to train the little elves whose job it is to turn off the light when you close the door to just write down what you've got in there.
1: Man, those are my favorite elves. Yeah,
0: they're great. They're right there with the Keeblers. So uh, who lived in a full house, as it turns out. The, uh, the, the, the interesting thing is that you could also have an ecosystem where it sends that information, the recipe information, mm-hmm. to your stove. So your stove, like, let's say that it involves that you're going to – let's say you're going to roast some vegetables because Mm -hmm. that's what you have in there. You're like, oh, you know, roasted – I'd love to roast some vegetables tonight. Fantastic. And you push that button and it sends the information to the stove, which immediately begins to preheat to the appropriate temperature. Wow. So this way you've got this kind of ecosystem. Now, here's the problem. This is is my problem with smart appliances, and I've said this before. Mm Mm-hmm. Most of these require that you buy into one ecosystem.
1: Oh, sure. So
0: you have to have all of your devices from the same manufacturer if you want it to have this interconnectivity uh, to to work. Otherwise, they're just going to be standalone devices. Now, most of these are fantastic standalone appliances anyway.
1: Oh, sure. Well, I mean, you know, they're putting they're putting this kind of tech into the their highest end,
0: of right. the highest end. Stuff. Yes, but if you want to have that connectivity, then you have to end up investing in one ecosystem. My definition of smart is when we reach a level where you can buy your appliance from any of these vendors that are making these kind of devices and they all talk to each other. To me that's what is smart. Mm-hmm. At least from a consumer standpoint. Also, I don't know that there are that many people who could buy into an ecosystem and change all of their appliances at the same time. That's expensive. That is. You know, you're talking about a refrigerator, washer, dryer, stove, TV, that's- I mean, TV is part of it too. Smartphone, but possibly. Um,
1: it's getting into that prosumer kind of level. Yeah, of- that's
0: expensive. Mm-hmm. And and my worry is you would start to adopt something, and then what happens if three years down the road, when you're <laughs> about to upgrade the rest of your stuff, the company no longer exists.
1: Ooh, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah.
0: So there's some there's still some downsides to smart appliances. Um, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I hope we get to a more open. Uh, uh, standard for yeah. communication between devices. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: I mean, I, I'm excited about the concept of being able to use your smartphone to to control anything in your house, from your television to your washer dryer right. to your light system to yes. et etc. Just just having a tricorder, you know, a glitch for those of you who watched reboot, all ten of you out there. Hi, I love you. Yeah. Um and
0: uh, yeah, no, I, I I I'm looking forward to that too. It's uh, I have some stuff that I can control with my smartphone, actually with my tablet, really. And that's most, that's like the Xbox. I have smart glass oh, on my tablet. Cool. Uh-huh. And, and that's just a small hint of the type of stuff we can see in the future. And I agree, that's very exciting. So, um, yeah, it's, that's the, the smart appliances. Uh, but there's so much more to talk about, uh, with CES. So, Lauren. Yes, Jonathan. It turns out, that there was a lot of stuff at CES.
1: Uh, more than two things?
0: More than two things. Huh. And uh, and uh, so doing a, a one episode about all the things I saw and experienced at CES is a little much to ask our listeners to bear, because it would be really long. I think an hour and seven minutes, actually. And, uh, do, do you think about that much? Yeah, according to the estimate that I kept going by asking Tyler. Yeah. Uh, so we decided we're going to split this episode up, as we sometimes do, when they get so long that that's a thing. And uh, we're going to conclude right here, but we'll be back in our next episode to conclude the stuff I saw at CES and some things that made the news while I was there. And so I highly recommend you guys tune in and hear how this uh, adventure concludes. Will there be a happy ending, or did Jonathan get left at Las Vegas? we know the answer to that
1: yeah that's not a, that's not a mystery
0: okay well anyway if you guys have any suggestions for future episodes of tech stuff i highly recommend you let us know send us an email our address is techstuff at discovery.com drop us a line on facebook or twitter our handle there is techstuffhsw and lauren and i will talk to you again about ces as it turns out really soon
2: for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com